Welcome back to Chatterbox. Hope you've all had a great week and thank you for joining me again this week. My tool of the week this week is a brush from the makeup artist Louise Young. When I think of Louise Young, I think of high quality, really well considered brushes. And because she works in the film and television industries where HD is so prevalent, it is a key focus that whenever she makes a brush, the shape of the brush and the quality is outstanding. Um, my brush that I've actually been recently using, that I've had for a while but haven't actually adopted until recently, until this week, is the LY43. It's one of her newer brushes. It's a vegan hair brush and it's a skin brush and it's a mini stippling brush. Now this brush is a sort of trapezium shape. It's cut flat so you can polish it onto the skin and it really is good for buffing things in but it's a quite small head diameter, so it's quite a small mini stippling size comparative to other stippling brushes you may have seen or may have. It really does get into all the recesses and all the areas of the face, particularly around the orbital cavity, really brilliantly. And I'm definitely loving it for cream blushes, cream bronzers, bronze universal, uh, my retouch foundation I've been using it with, and just literally where I want to put down something, particularly a cream blusher, and then bury it underneath a foundation layer. The mini stippling brush is really getting me that result that I'm looking for. So definitely one to check out. That's the LY43 Vegan Hair Mini Stippling Brush by Louise Young, which is Louise Young Cosmetics. This week, of course, saw the introduction of Glow Up, the TV show, which is a makeup reality TV show where leading talent makeup artists have been sourced and they're in a competitive competition with eliminations each week and lots of creative challenges. It was episode one this week on BBC Three. If you haven't had a chance to check that, do check it out. I think it's going to be the new Bake Off of makeup. It's going to be something which I think is going to grow on us every week as we see the trials and tribulations, success and dramas unfold of each of the contestants as they pursue their dreams of makeup artistry. What I did like about it was the fact that I think there are some new areas in there. Some of the ways they've done the actual challenges are quite good. I like the way that they've actually put the makeups up on the screen so that you can actually see how they've done that and they've gone from a no makeup face and sort of morphed it into the makeup on screen. I think the judges are really, really a great pick. I think they're very diverse, actually. I think Stacey Dooley, who obviously comes from Strictly and from very hard-hitting documentaries, is an interesting choice for me, and I'm going to watch how I feel about that one. Because as I like her, I don't think that actually as a makeup host, it was as exciting and as riveting as I was expecting for a makeup show. I probably expected somebody more dynamic and not so down to earth. But I think that's probably replicated and, you know, remedied by the fact you have fashion icon Val Garland and Mac icon Dominic Skinner alongside her. So I think it's one to watch and I'm not judging it yet. I think it's going to be a really good balance of judgment. I think where Stacey will offer sort of tea, sympathy and empathy, Val will give technical critique and Dominic will give creativity and skills from the Mac Empire. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out week on week and I'm definitely enjoying watching all the trials and tribulations of how these young makeup artists are approaching the subject of makeup artistry. I think it's a tough slog to go into a makeup show and actually be on demand, on screen, on request and actually conjure creativity. I think that would be a hard push for everybody. So I think we should all cut them a little bit of slack as they get their sort of feet under the belt of going into this environment and to see how that pans out. But it's definitely great for the industry that we have a TV reality makeup show in the UK that is giving us week on week an adventure with each of these as they pursue their dreams. And I thought that the two chair challenge where they did the face off back to back on um, identical twins was a really good take on how to try and make a level playing field for the contestants. So one to watch, we look forward to that every week, and it's Glow Up on BBC Three.
As a professional makeup artist, it's important that you can find your core skill and decide what the style of makeup you want to be synonymous with is and what your key strength is. For me as a makeup artist, I've always had a fascination and love with flawless skin and skin effects and making skin look amazing without necessarily giving away the illusion of what you've done. I think that as I learnt makeup, I found it very easy to put colour on and put drama onto the face. But to put things on that don't necessarily show and give you illusion, but give you dimension and give you realism and improvement, became a harder skill to ascertain. So for me, when I'm working on perfect skin, I try and see how little I can use to get the maximum results, and therefore I have the challenge. I think now with Instagram, it's very easy just to go the opposite direction and go how much can I put on, how heavy can I create coverage, how even can I get that fast, and how can I paint on top of it. But for me as a makeup artist, obviously training over so many years, it really is about trying to go undetected and create a stealth makeup which is under the radar but looks flawless. And I think that has a lot more depth and skill to it than just putting on a heavy base. Now that said, when I got the opportunity to go into a lab and create my own foundation, it was an interesting decision like which way to go with a foundation. Should I go for something like a BB cream or a CC cream, which are Korean skincare remedy type products that give you some blemish balm or creative con concealment and coverage and with an SPF? Or would I go for something more of a sort of makeup artist kit classic product, a generic formulation that you could improvise and create and craft from? And so that's the route I took. When I created Base Foundation, it was really about trying to have a hub on my makeup kit station that I could just improvise from and not carry too many things. I decided to create a silicon based foundation because it has the most durability and the coverage was the kind of very heavy, medium to heavy coverage that would give you a very thick base that you could work backwards from and that concept allows you to have very quick coverage fast if you needed it for something like runway or for photographic makeup or for Instagram makeup but it also allows you to share it right back going backwards towards the skin uncovered. So base foundation is an instant cover, liquid foundation. It would be somewhere, I guess, parallel to Fenty or Double Wear if you're looking at comparatives, but it has a much nicer texture and it doesn't oxidise, so it gives you a lot more security and stability when you're working with that as a professional makeup artist. It was also important to me that it wouldn't be cost prohibitive. A 30ml foundation is generally about between 20 and £30, and I wanted to offer something at the makeup school that would be more in the region of £15, immediately halving that, and then give discount to take it down to maybe like £12 with 20% off for my students. So Base Foundation became a very quick way of creating a starting kit for aspiring makeup artists to get exactly what they need, to give them the coverage they need, to give them the confidence they need on camera that the skin would look flawless. When trying to achieve flawless skin, I have five criteria that I consider when I'm looking at a client's skin or looking at a model. And so the five are the skin behavior is the first one. The hue, which is the color of the skin, is the second one. The value of the skin, which is the light and dark, 10 shades of white to black, the black and white photography value scale, how light or dark a foundation should be is the third one. The coverage level that I'm trying to achieve is the fourth criteria. And then the durability, how much do I want this to be fixed into place and not move? How much does it need to stay in place? Now that would vary. If you're going out all night, that's going to be a very key demand. But if you're doing a photo shoot where you've got five makeups to do, then the fixing of that, the durability would be lessened because you'd want to take it off and quick change it. So there are five criteria. It's skin behaviour, hue, value, cover and fix. So let's look at the first one, the skin behaviour. 
I think it's very dated to consider skin in terms of skin type genetically. I think that pollution, environment, nutrition, all of the things we do now in modern living are really going to affect the way that your skin type would be performing. So I think of it more in the terms of skin behaviour. Is your skin behaving more dry? Is it dehydrated? Is there something that feels different about it today as opposed to yesterday and it will again be different tomorrow? Or is it behaving oily? Medication could affect this. It could be behaving dry because you're taking some medication or prescription and lots of affecting um, attributing factors. If you're drinking lots of alcohol, that could dehydrate your skin. So your skin behavior will affect the way that you have to approach the foundation to create a flawless base because you've got to get that prep right according to the skin behavior. And that would lead you to remedies and skincare that can help you maximize the opportunity for creating an equilibrium of hydration and making sure that your skin is behaving as you want it to for the way that you want your foundation to pay off and to lay down. So you have to have a really good repertoire of skincare remedies in your makeup kit as a makeup artist to take you from very dehydrated, dry, mature skin right up to sort of acneic, teenage, oily skin. Or if you're working in humidity, again, the skin behavior will be different because of just simple things such as the humidity causing sweating and that will affect your foundations or oxidizing. So there are so many considerations to think about, but you try and get an equilibrium. How does your skin feel today? If you use a basic generic moisturizer, that should generally do the job to create that consideration. But if you're looking for a dry skin, maybe you might actually choose a foundation that's more emollient, more oily, so that it gives you a sort of more supple effect. If you are looking at an oily skin, you might decide to go for more of a powder foundation, a mineral makeup, or an all-in-one powder, cream to powder finish, where it's going to last better on an oily base. So consideration number one, criteria number one, is your skin behavior. The second criteria is the skin hue, the skin color, the skin tone. And I think this is where most people get very confused about what color skin they have. A quick little hack I have here is just to draw some little like one centimeter squares randomly onto the face using an eyeliner, a white eye pencil, just to create swatch squares. And then just look within those squares to see what kind of color you see, whether the skin is more pink or the skin is more yellow. You probably only need to draw about three squares randomly over your complexion just to see what the tones are. And I think without getting too technical, that gives you a very quick sort of presence of whether your skin is more pink or more yellow. Most skin tones are generally made up of red, yellow and blue or pink, yellow and blue. And so you've got to decide how you want to present that hue to the camera or to your phone when you're taking selfies or what colour overall you want to have for your foundation. Generally, a yellow based foundation is going to knock out any pink. So that will minimise any rosacea or redness or sensitivity to the skin. So lots of people now, from the 90s to now, with the invention of MAC and Bobbi Brown, are quite accustomed to more of a yellow-based foundation. Traditionally, it would have been more pink in the era of Max Factor. But now with a yellow foundation, it helps you knock down the visible blood supply and mask out some of that pink to achieve an even canvas. But it can look quite flat. If you make your skin very yellow and completely flat, there is a danger of something I call omelette face, which is where you literally look flat to the camera and very, very yellow. So sometimes a mixture of something a little bit pink or something a little bit yellow is a much better option because to have skin realism, there has to be some level of visible blood supply. Now that's not relevant when you get into Asian and deeper skin tones because pigmentation will mask the visible blood supply. But in Caucasian skin, it would be a consideration. How much pink and how much yellow do you want to leave present? And if you're working with a high coverage foundation, obviously that would mask out the blood supply and mask out the pink if you choose a yellow foundation. 
So you've got to decide, do I want my foundation to present itself on the more pinky side, where you can see blood in it and it looks more like fleshy skin realism, or do I want it to go more yellow? And this would be a conundrum for fine artists and painters too, which complexion colour to create. Now the beauty of creating your own foundation and mixology is that if you set yourself up with some pink foundation and some yellow foundation, you can make all the hybrid shades you could possibly want. So it becomes an absolute plethora of shades that you have on option, and you can customise that, bespoke that, and change that. So in essence, if you start out with a pink and a yellow, mix them together, you're going to have a pink-yellow foundation, and from there you can steer it slightly more pink or slightly more yellow, depending on what you want for that day and how your skin's behaving and where you're going for the function of the foundation you're applying. The third criteria is the value. How light or dark is the skin tone if you're matching it? Now, matching the value is the thing that would show in a black and white photograph. It's not going to be so easy to see in colour, but for makeup students it's something that catches them out often. They can generally work out getting the skin tone to the pink level or the yellow level and how to kind of adjust that to the right sort of mixture, but often they don't actually get the value right. They can make it too pale for the skin, which makes it look dead and ashen and a little bit mortician, or they might make it too dark. Now, if you make it too dark, that runs into the problems of transition between the face to the neck to the bust, so therefore you're going to see that the colour is wrong. So if you do make a foundation darker, it has to be then considered all visible skin has to now darken, and so you've given yourself more work to do. For me, a perfect foundation is something like quicksand. It should just disappear into the skin seamlessly with no edges, and that's what I strive for when I try and find the appreciation of the colour and also the appreciation of the light and dark value. So when I'm mixing up a colour, I check the pink-yellow to make sure that it looks right to the complexion tones that I see, but I also make sure that I can't really see where it's going on so that it disappears. Now, conventionally, most of those would have been done on the jawline. If you've gone to a department store, you've probably had a foundation matched on your jawline. But that's quite clever for marketing, isn't it? Because you can't really see what they're matching. So you have to place your trust in the person with the till, and therefore you buy the foundation on the basis they've told you something correct. And it might not be the perfect shade, and you can't always see it easily without sort of dislocating your neck to try and see into the mirror. So what I tend to do is I tend to do three swatches. I tend to go straight to the tip of the nose, because that's the first thing on the camera that the camera could see. I go to the forehead right in the middle, and I go to the throat. That takes me between the chin, the jawline, and the bust line. So then it will give me a transition to see that that colour is going to work harmoniously across all of the areas of the face, and therefore I know the colour's great. I wouldn't actually apply it unless it actually works in those three technical spots. So that's the middle of the forehead, the tip of the nose, and the throat. If you look at those three key points and the colour is disappearing, you're pretty much good to go. And that means you've got the value right, the light to dark scale, 10 increments from white to black on a black and white camera that shows you whether it is bright enough or too deep, too ashy or too dark or going to be oxidising later if you're going too dark. So be careful of that. Make sure the brightness and the value is correct as criteria three. If you're shopping for a foundation and you're out at the shopping centre or out at the drugstore or you're in a department store and you're not sure of the colour, always ask the consultant if they can give you a sample because it really is in your interest to just walk away and have a look in daylight. You might be able to try the foundation the next morning and the daylight might be a different temperature, it might be bluer. So therefore the colour of the foundation would look different to what you saw in a department store the night before if you were shopping at say 7pm, then the lighting might have been golden. So the foundation could look completely different. Always take a sample and check it in daylight and see what you feel about the colour. And again you're looking for that invisibility 
that quick sound effect that it's just dissolving in, but also more than that, it's not actually giving you a difficult time when you put the foundation on. You should get a great foundation just disappearing into your skin and therefore being able to be applied really quickly so that you don't have to overthink, overblend and over disguise the edges. It should be making your life much easier. And if you feel that you're struggling with a foundation, it's probably not the right fit. It's probably not the right foundation for you. And I think you'll probably deserve and can find something better. The fourth criteria is coverage. It's such a personal thing how you want your foundation to be in terms of coverage. Some people prefer to have a sheer, some people prefer to have heavy coverage and something more opaque. Now depending on what you're trying to do with your coverage, it depends on how you get there and how you get your foundation to create that effect. With the base foundation I created, it's an opaque foundation, so it gives you a lot of skin coverage. But I wanted to create a method that I would be able to like thin that down with a mixing medium. I'd used Il Maquillage mixing mediums in the past as a makeup artist, and that is simply something you mix in that makes your foundation act differently. It changes the chemistry, it binds with it, it mixes into it, and it changes it to a thinner texture. I'd always liked that one, but I always felt that I could improve my maybe putting some hyaluronic acid in it, or maybe a slightly less um, sticky formula, something a little bit more elastic. So I created a product called Mixology, which really enables you to put that mixology into the base foundation and then incrementally make it thinner. So it gives you the control of DIY makeup, which I love. It enables you to take a heavy foundation, let's say traditionally an evening foundation, and then you could add mixology and make it a day foundation or make it like a tinted moisturiser. It's amazing how much it resuscitates a foundation you may have bought that you're just not loving. If you've got a foundation and it seems to be a little bit heavy or a little bit sticky or dry and it's not performing, you can mix mixology into it and just stir it in. It is going to be a premix. It must go into the foundation. It's not a primer. That's a completely different rationale. But with mixology, it's designed to go mixing in. So you're stirring it into your foundation with the brush or the mini stippling brush, whatever you're using, before your application. And it will give you a sheerer finish. And that gives you a great option if you're customising your foundation daily from a heavier coverage when your skin's being misperforming and it's giving you a few more blemishes and then celebrating clearer skin by having a sheerer effect and just simply using more mixology. It enables you to take your foundation to more skincare and it takes your coverage to much more of a sheer finish. The final criteria is fix and that is the durability of how long you want your foundation to stay in place. This was something when I was designing my foundation range that I really wanted to consider carefully for professional makeup, but equally for just people going clubbing or people going out all night or people getting married, any event where you'd want your foundation to be extra durable. Now traditionally that would be fixing sprays, whether it was Fix Plus, which is a water spray for MAC, or whether it was All Nighter Spray by Urban Decay, any of these kind of sprays at the end of putting a foundation on to give you extra fixing and extra durability, to give you the extra confidence that your foundation is not going to move and stay in place. But it was actually at an Urban Decay event when I was watching people using fixing sprays that I thought, why don't we put that on earlier? If we're putting foundation on, why isn't it going into the foundation? Or why doesn't the foundation already have that? So one of the things I decided to do was create Fixology. And Fixology is a product which gives you either a matte fix or a glow fix. And I think in terms of that, if you're fixing a foundation into place, you could have two effects. Sometimes you're going to want that effect to give you a matte finish, maybe suitable for film or television or a wedding. And maybe sometimes you're going to want the fixing to be more of a glow, more of a doll skin, more editorial, more shiny. So Fixology can be mixed into your foundation. 
So if I start with my base foundation and I thin it down with Mixology, which was the one that allowed it to get skincare and go sheer, I can even then add in some fixatives, some fix, and give it a matte finish or a glow finish. So you can see I can really steer my foundation choice between coverage, between hydration, and between fixing and durability to custom make and bespoke a foundation suitable for any occasion, any client, any skin tone, and any need. So the system really does help me create a load of options from a very small amount of core products. And that suits me perfectly as a professional makeup artist because it means I don't carry so much, but the endless options that I can create and craft really are going to give me the confidence on set. So DIY makeup is really about do it yourself, think about what you're trying to make, have a hub of concentration of products that are just a small amount of things that give you many, many options, and then you can have fun crafting and creating and literally create the look you're trying to achieve from just a central small bag of products that gives you every endless possibility. Now I hope this has helped you by going through those kind of criteria. I do get often asked about how I do skin, how would I create it for catwalk, how would I do it for editorial, what are some of the secrets I've learned over the years about foundation. And remember I've done makeup artistry for nearly 30 years, so over those 30 years I have met and talked to so many women and guys and everything in the industry about whether you're an actor, a model, a performer, a child pageant performer, any of these different things that have come into that career over the years and you essentially get to understand the needs of what the camera needs to see in terms of photographic flawless skin. So I hope this helps you to give you some understanding of the criteria that get you there, whether it's the skin behaviour, whether it's the hue, the colour of the skin you're trying to match, the brightness, the value scale, whether it's the light or the dark and trying to avoid ashiness, whether it's the coverage and giving you sheer foundation through to opaque and Instagram foundation coverage, or whether it's durability, fixing it more matte or fixing it with more of a glow effect. Whatever your choice is, what I'd like to encourage you through this podcast is to get creative and just get mixing. When you're trying to get better at makeup, it can be really frustrating you can see that you've not quite got the technical skill you want and you've got these aspirations and dreams to get better at makeup or maybe your contemporaries are doing better makeup than you and that's frustrating because you want to be as good as them. Whenever that scenario arises, I always advise my students that it's a really good idea just to look at the core objective of what you're trying to do and literally just smash it into pieces, create elements, things which are just pieces of the problem Focus on the elements, and then when you assemble them, you create the compound. And like in chemistry, elements become great compounds. The compound will become technically better. So when you're trying to make something even more technical, even more precise, smash it apart into elements, and then create the compound to success. For example, Lego is a great brand out there that I have a great affinity towards. Lego really can be the master of creativity. If you look at children when they play with Lego bricks, from those simple elements, the Lego brick, you can create anything. It really is an endless affinity of possibilities. And I take that same approach with makeup. If I'm struggling with eyelining, for example, as a technical task, if I smash that apart into elements, it can only be several things. It can only be the product, the brush, my breathing, how steady I'm holding, my position on the face or on the eye. And once I work on each of those elements, the compound of those elements takes me to a better place and a skill improvement. So think of it from that approach and see if that helps you tackle some of the things that are just giving you some trouble or giving you technical issues, try and break them down to elements, fix the elements and create the compound to success. 
Just taking a moment to really say thank you to all my students this week. You've all worked extremely hard and really pushed yourself technically. I've been so impressed with your output and how much you've achieved and how much your skill level has gone up. Particularly in the three-day mastering eyes this week, you started off being really petrified of transition blending and ombre gradient shading, and you really knuckled down, put the extra work in with monochrome shading, and did some brilliant results. So to all the House of Glamdor students out there, and particularly this week, and everybody that's been through the school, thank you so much for all your diligence, all your hard work, and keep practicing, because with great practice comes great success. I'm delighted to let you know that we have Ellis Atlantis again at the school, teaching his Instagram and drag classes. If you're thinking of trying to get your makeup to the next level and you're looking to try and get more confidence with Instagram makeup and colour, or just do bigger makeups and have some fun, come and see Ellis at the School of House of Glamdolls for the Drag School and for Instagram Beauty. Check out the website for details. When you're learning from Ellis, you're going to see everything you've seen on Instagram, but you're going to learn it from a completely new perspective. Park your tools at the doorstep and learn some new techniques and let Ellis guide you through the different things which go into Insta-famous makeup and Instagram and drag makeups. Reposition the eyebrows, look at different ways of shading and blending transitions, reverse transitions and just look at all those techniques that go in giving you the double impact and double glam look that you're seeing so much in social media. So check out the courses and see what Ellis can teach you and also follow me each week as we go Team Ellis on Glow Up. Is it time you visited House of Glamdolls School and came back to see us? Have you been here before or have you not been for the first time? If you're trying to get your technical skills in makeup artistry up to the next level, House of Glamdolls has a course for you. Visit www.houseofglamdolls.com and check out the courses. Everything from beginners, personal use, right through to professional makeup artistry. And also I'm the trainer of the trainers. I train also professional makeup artists and do bespoke corporate training. So get in touch if there's a course for you, we can help you find the perfect match. So that's about it for this week. Thank you everybody that's joined us this week on this podcast and we look forward to the next episode of Chatterbox. We're also looking forward to the next episode of Glow Up to see what happens with the next challenges. And I'll see you all again next week.